Doug and Marty vs. the World is sponsored and paid for by Marty McClendon, Doug Bassler, and EasyTVSpots.com. Round one, go. Brother, be very, What's that, brother? Ve- be very, very quiet. I'm hunting Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> it is hunting season. This is Doug and Marty versus the world. I'm Marty McClendon. And I'm Doug Bassler. And, you know, today is opening day of Modern Firearm season. Brother, why am I here with you? I don't well, know. Well, we have an obligation, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, are you guaranteeing you're going to get something like a 12 point this year, right? Oh, my Always gosh. So, I, all right. So, my dad calls me, right, from Spokane, <laughs> and he's like, all the deer are gone. I get an email from the WDFW, all the deer are dying, blue tongue disease, all this stuff, right? I'm like, dad, first of all, I'm blessed, and I'm getting a buck and my son's getting a buck and all those other people can go home empty handed, but I'm not going home empty handed because Jesus loves me. laughing, <laughs> <laughs> And I go, and besides that, we just love to take a walk in the woods with our guns. So right. you know, that's what we're going to do. So if you get up by Loon Lake, um, you might, and you hear a shot, you might want to duck. I don't know. <laughs> Cause it's duck season, rabbit season. <laughs> Something. You, you have a, like a multi-tag or whatever. I understand it. You have brother, you sound funny. What's wrong with you, brother? A beautiful property up there. Well, maybe I'm doing Daffy here. So now I'm Is fighting that, the cold. Dude. Oh, my gosh. Do you have COVID, brother? Well, you have to find out. You have to <laughs> verify. But, uh, you know, I still have smell and taste. So, well, then luckily, you don't have we're it. not doing this uh, next to each other. So, right? I had the, I had COVID when I was in, in D.C. in June. And everybody's like, this is the best pizza we ever had. And I'm like this doesn't taste like pizza. This tastes like cardboard. I'm like, Oh, maybe I have COVID. <laughs> doesn't that right there though. I mean, if you lost taste and smell, how boring life would be, you yeah. know, if, on a full-time basis, um, how great it is to have our senses. I would, I don't know. I, I would find other ways to have fun. I would ride my, you know, my dirt bike more or something. I don't know. I'd figure something out. I really am excited about today's program though. This is an amazing, this is going to be a lot of fun. I saw a video this week and I shared it with you. Did you watch it? Uh, you shared it with me. I did not watch it. So well, I'm, you I'm are in for a excitement. slacker. <laughs> and after the program, I guarantee you're going to want to go watch it because, yeah. and you're going to want to tell your friends to share the program and to go to DougAndMarty.com and to get the program and download the program. Because we got some great information. There is a lot going on in the world right now with uh, what Marty and I've been talking about now for the last I don't know, a year, over a year, mm-hmm. about the violation of our civil rights and, uh, you know, what the government's doing and what we need to do about it and how we can stand up about it. So I saw this video. Somebody shared it with me. And uh, there was this guy, this pastor named Heath Rainwater from a Grace Point church out in Amclaw was on this thing. And he was talking like, I'm like, like we have to do something about the government violating our civil rights. So I, I called him brother. I called his church, got their voicemail and he got right back to me and he's with us today. Heath Rainwater is here. I cannot wait to hear what he's going to say, but I Wonderful. was so encouraged brother. Thank you. Welcome to the program. And I am happy to be here. Thanks Doug. Thank you, Marty, for having me on your guys' show. I, I was, I was so happy to see a, a pastor standing up, 
and not just standing up and saying, we got to do something, but standing up and saying, we got to do something and here's something we can do. And then he introduced our other guest who's also here. He put me in touch with Aaron from Washington Civil Rights Council. And Aaron is also with us. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the program. Hi, Doug. Hi, Marty. Thanks for having me. And uh, but they have tools and resources. If you don't want to get vaccinated and you don't want to get fired, Aaron can help you. If you have a business and you don't want to comply with illegal mandates, or as I like to call them, dictates from our dictator Mm -hmm. governor friend. uh, Or our president friend, dictator, right? (laughs) They have resources. And so I just, uh, first of all, I want to just uh, go to, to Pastor Heath and say, how did you find out about this? Oh, man, I was just as fortunate as you to stumble upon it. Honestly, I was invited to an event. Uh, called Free to Choose that was hosted in Enumclaw. And there's a lot of these events that are going on and uh, headed up by a gentleman named Nick Cochran and his wife, Tara. And they are just two patriots that have really uh, just stood up during this time and others are standing with them, putting together a network of information and tools, um, people uh, that are standing together and sharing information, banding together uh, to come against what's happening and these these mandates and really just the violation of our, our civil rights. And so I attended this event and one of the speakers at the event was Erin and she blew me away. I mean, really the whole event was amazing. And I'd, I'd recommend if you hear, if you hear a free to choose, go attend one of those events. But when Erin spoke, she spoke specifically about um, letter of declination, declination and um, constructive notice. And she had all this legal information and the way she presented it was so clear, so concise that I knew immediately that this voice needed to get out there and so we talked to her and asked if she'd be willing to um, let our church produce just a short video where she can get that information out and use it wherever she wants. And we would put it out wherever we could. And kind of the rest is history. The, the video has really been viewed, um, gosh, well over 25,000 times in just like a week and a few to a couple of days. So that's pretty cool. That's amazing. And so um, you are, uh, so obviously you've been concerned as a pastor about our, our civil rights? I think that um, I'd like, love to say every pastor should be and is, but uh, I, I think that for us, the concern was right from the very beginning of the onset of this um, COVID crisis and seeing the way that uh, we were being forced to stay at home and have churches close. And we just knew that's not a long-term plan for the church. That's not a way for the church to be healthy and not the mission of the church. Uh, church has always been um, called to be a light on a hilltop, city on a hilltop, a light not hidden beneath a bushel. We're salt and light. And if we lose our flavor, then we lose our purpose. So we knew that that was not the mission of our church. And we wanted to get back to what we were doing, which was lifting up the name of Jesus, spreading the gospel, introducing people to the love of the grace of God. And we can't do that by people thinking that online church and just being a consumer of church is being is what a Christian life is all about. So we just, we started speaking out against um, some of the things that were happening early on, opened up very, very early, um, a lot of criticism, but uh, it's just been amazing to see the way that God has held us up, blessed us, brought people to um, kind of navigated people to us, even though at the same time, we lost a lot of people. It's been amazing. So you said open up very early. This is important too, because Doug and I talk about this. When you stand up, you encourage other people to stand up as well. 
And there's been a, a lot of people, a lot of pastors, a lot of groups around the, um, the state that said, you know what, this doesn't make sense. Why, were, why was the church singled out first in the first, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve? The very first part of the order was to shut down churches. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we think it's intentional. We think it's uh, on a purpose. That's where you get information. That's where you exercise your faith. Uh, and so those that stayed open or those that opened earlier on and pushing back, they're gaining traction. They're gaining people that, uh, that are looking for courage because they are pushing back. And Doug's a big proponent about this is when we push back, we win. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And that's so true. I mean, the, the DNA of the church, if you look at the DNA of the church, it's, it's not timidity. Uh, it's, it's a lion. Um, it, it is David running at Goliath. I mean, the, the, the DNA and the culture, the, the heart of the church is bold and courageous, spirit-filled Christians. I mean, and, um, you know, when you look at the first church, the early church uh, in the book of Acts, you see people who risked it all to, to spread the gospel. And they, were, they, they had to break laws that were trying to tell them that they are not able to go and preach and teach in the name of Jesus. They were being hunted down. Uh, they would first, they started off hiding behind locked doors, but when the Holy Spirit fell down, they went out preaching and teaching and spreading the gospel. We still have that mandate today. Mm-hmm. Amen. Un- unless, fact, there's, we- unless there's unless a, there's a, a COVID emergency, brother. <laughs> right. no. I think it's important you know second, which mandate you follow. Second hesitations, Chester. Second hesitations. Yeah, Doug and I have been talking about the fact <laughs> that it is the time for courage. The last couple of years, even before COVID and pandemic happened, and of course, um, many many of our friends have been quoting Esther four fourteen. Why are we here? Or a time such as this, if we're not to be bold and courageous, to lead others, to encourage others, that um, this is not, we're losing our freedoms, we're losing our way of life, and this is an assault on, on our, our beliefs as well. So um, COVID vaccine mandates are just a part of the bigger picture of it losing is. our freedoms. And we just so, want to honor you, Pastor Heath. Thank you for, you know, for doing that. And, and uh, you know, God bless you. That's that's amazing. Um, I we, we need to get... Uh, Get the word out. That's the DNA. You know, I, I you hear you hear Sean Foyt, you know, out there doing these these concerts and stuff. And he said, you know, Daniel could have, you know, saved a lot of problems if he just would have closed his windows. But wow. he, didn't, he didn't close them. He opened them. He prayed openly. He defied the king's order, and he probably had a pretty good night's sleep snuggling up against those lions. But the, his enemies <laughs> didn't have quite as good of luck with that. Let's bring Aaron into this conversation. Uh, Aaron, how did you get involved with the Washington Civil Rights Council? Well, the the council is actually just a group of like citizen activists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back when COVID first started, I'm sure you were part of this. A lot of people were having friends over for dinner and just keep making their own little quote unquote super spreader events, right? And, um, you know, that was all we could do. So for the first year, we were just meeting in people's homes and we had... Um, we were just part of a network of people and eventually people said it's time to start taking action and nobody knew what to do, but we had a friend who, again, she will remain nameless because we're just protecting our security. Uh, she's originally from the former Soviet union. And so she could see the writing on the wall before any of us could. And she and a few others, this is before I, I knew them, but I wasn't part of the group. Um, they first started to pull together a informational packet for businesses to understand this mask mandate and how it was something they didn't have to by law uh, carry out. And, you know, that was a year, year and a half ago. So it wasn't, it, you know, a lot of businesses in, 
listened, they took the information, but they didn't really didn't take action at that point. So when we saw that the vaccine mandate was coming down the pike, um, she had the foresight to hire another lawyer and say, let's get ahead of this thing and pull together all the laws that are being broken, put them on one informational sheet. We called it the constructive notice to employers. We had a lawyer write it, so it's written in legalese. And it's basically a notice that employees can give to their employers, which outlines which laws are being broken if they carry this out. And most importantly, it informs the employers that the liability for these vaccines would be foisted onto them. And so that kind of, that put us on the map. And when I first saw that document, um, I'll be honest, it was when the vaccine mandates were com coming and we were all hanging out together for dinner. And I was looking at this digital uh, fake vaccine card I had, which almost all <laughs> of us had access to, you know? And I'm like, what do we do? And uh, this, uh, this woman who had this document stands up, she goes, I think we've got the answer right here. And I took one look at that and I said, I don't care how much money I got left in the bank. I'm not gonna get a job when the kids go back to school. I'm gonna devote whatever time I can to getting that information out to people. And that's when it took off from there. And I think that notice along with our statement of declination has been shared probably upwards of 30,000 times across the state now. And we only have 7 million more people to get that to, but we're working on it. But that's, well, a, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a rough estimate. I would, I would say it's a lot, it's a lot more than that. It's hard to track. Well, it's and, to track, and yeah. it's not just Washington, right? I mean, it's this, oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're citing Washington law, but I'm sure other states have, you know, similar laws and I mean, civil rights are civil rights. Mm -hmm. What, you know, so let's talk about this um, notice of declination. Just, just, you know, I'm assuming you're declining something. Tell us about that. Well, as you, are you guys familiar with, I know you guys are out here in Eastern Washington. I don't think the mandates have hit you guys as hard as it, as it hit King County, but you were, you guys are experiencing employees of the state or the city, right? Right. Talking about mm -hmm. how they're getting sort of trapped in these, the legal trips, uh, trips and traps, right. That come from the religious exemption paperwork that the city and the state is offering their employees. Have you heard yep. about any of that? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So I think tyrannical King Inslee, you know, he anticipated that the religious exemption card would be something that everyone would try to lean on. And so they ahead of time had the state and city employees, or, you know, something prepared for them. And, you know, Heath, you can probably speak to this. I don't know what you've seen, but there was all sorts of nonsense on these forms you know, asking people to get uh, the religious exemption paperwork signed by their pastors, um, having to quote scripture, having to justify their beliefs, having to uh, talk about what sort of medicines they've taken in the past, have they ever had vaccines in the past? None of this is required by law to be talked about or justified in any way, shape or form. So our statement of declination is just that, it's a it's declination means to decline. And we are not apologetic about it. We're not asking um, permission on this statement. It's simply here are the laws that provide my exemption. And, uh, you know, I decline. I can read it for you, but it's a little bit long. 
It's about half the page. Uh, and people can see it online, right? At marchforfreedomwa.com. March for Freedom. Yeah, you got it. And uh, yeah. I've been there. There, it's it's there. So people can go there. They can download it. They can fill it out. Yeah. They can contact you guys if they need, you know, any kind of like clarification. But what was uh, the website know, again, is, Doug? It's March, F O R Freedom March for Freedom Wa W A dot com. And um, you know, this is something that people have come to me, and because uh, I'm kind of like the rebel guy at our church, and they're like, hey, I wanna, I wanna not get this vaccination and they're requiring it and they're turning down my exemption. I'm like, don't do their form. Do not use their right. form. You, you don't, right. that, isn't that right? Pastor Heath, you don't need to, you, you do your own thing. And that's what they're providing. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly not a lawyer, but um, <laughs> you know, th- that has been something that people have to navigate is the traps of this, of these forms. All of them are different. There doesn't seem to be one straight uh, forward protocol. Most people don't even know what the process is to apply for religious exemption. Um, and then once they do, what's uh, the determining factor of whether or not they got declined or accepted? It's it's just nonsense. And we we did as a church, we put together a, um, a letter of uh, that basically went through why we believe that uh, a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian could or should uh, decline to take this vaccination or this this jab. Mm-hmm. We put a we put something together for both our members and then also for Christians to use um, anybody to use that they aligned with those thinkings and those beliefs and they could just describe that to themselves. We wanted to make something available. I'm I'm not um, in any way like afraid of you know any ramifications of putting a letter out there like that. I think that people um, legally have the right to if they decided to tomorrow that they're a Christian or today that they're a Christian or that their religious beliefs are, you know, being violated for some reason, I don't think that they should have to justify themselves uh, or go through this, this trap that is being set for them. I really, um, even though we prepared a letter and we think that a lot of people have benefited from it. Um, I really like the letter of declination um, that Aaron is talking about and that they prepared. And, and now this thing is uh, based on, uh, Washington state law, right, Aaron? And, and federal law, the social security act is federal. Okay. Yep. And then the RCW for freedom from discrimination, you know, every state is going to have that. So our declination can be used as a template in any state. Excellent. Which is fantastic. We've seen, we saw the, the emails. So you Idaho out. people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like they have a problem yes. in Idaho, right? Well, we saw the emails come out from Inslee's office where they were going to intentionally make the religious exemptions super hard. And then uh, for many state workers, even that got the religious exemptions, they weren't granted the accommodations that go along with them. So therefore making the exemptions null and void, you know? And so we understand there's a lot of shenanigans even going, but a strict and declination not used in their forms is, is sound like a much cleaner, more straightforward way to go. Wouldn't you say? We've got a lot of success stories. We've got a lot of city and state employees, teachers, nurses, et cetera, who originally used the forms provided by their employers and got mm-hmm. denied and then refiled with our forms, including our constructive notice, which is really what backs it up and makes it even stronger. And, um, and then they get uh, accepted. And our form also uh, talks about, you know, the same, the same law that protects you from vaccination. All, well, there's more than one law. There's many, right? There's Article 1, Section 7 of the Washington Bill of Rights, which goes along with, um, you know, our federal constitution, which basically just states, 
my property is not anything you can come near without a warrant and my body is my property. So it's, it's, it's so simple. And the Supreme court's ruled on that, right? Yes. Our body is our property. So this is, you know, so this is, this is where, you know, as, as, you know, as a pastor, as a, as just a regular Christian guy, we need to know this stuff. We need to learn it. And we need to be able to rattle off, you know, as I've been doing street church, I have this entire, you know, sheet of paper with all these, the, the laws and the Supreme court decisions. You can't use that PA. Yes, I can. It's this case of so-and-so versus so-and-so. Well, you can't do music. Yes, I can, because music is part of our expression. And we have the, you know, you, you, when you know it and pretty soon the police are like, okay, we'll have a nice protest, you know? So uh, we call it church. They call it a protest, whatever it works. You're protesting um, hell, so we're good. So now, tell me about this. Uh, what's what's the the other the other document, the construction, or what was that one? It's called the constructive notice to employers. Well, so I'll give you just a little uh, a short teaser of what I what I spoke about with uh, Pastor Heath on the video that went out to his church, and then I guess now, wow, twenty five thousand views already. That's fantastic. Um, but it's it's basically like a little bit of civics one hundred and one. Because, you know, one of the real crimes here is that most of us have forgotten about, um, you know, basic civics and basic law. Like, for example, separation of powers doctrine, right? How many branches of government are there? And, you know, you got to really get people to remember. Well, in a state of emergency, there's one, one branch of government. Right. But. Yeah. <laughs> no, the media, too, and then the administrative state, you know. I'll, oh, okay. That's three. Yeah. Right. Back, back right. Three again. Exactly. And then the CDC is its own branch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I mean, so, I mean, I know we've all been kind of beating a dead horse around this, but this is the one thing that corporations, if they would be willing to just stand up, they could stand between the state and employees and protect them. If they would, yeah, I mean, putting all the onus on employees to go out and get this religious exemption is really ridiculous when corporations could send one letter from their lawyers, right? back to the state and say, prove your authority to do this. That's it. And so, yeah, exactly right. That's where I was going to go next because the federal quote unquote, um, Joe Biden telling employers with a hundred employees or more, they must mandate this. There's no law. There's no authority in that, but, but many corporations are saying we are going to enforce this. How are this, how are this is and we've seen even with the sh- uh, early shutdowns, the mass mandates, the, you know, uh, nobody in your restaurants, it was picking and choosing and using the weaponizing L&I to go after businesses, which really Absolutely. had no authority. And, but, there's, and- but there is no authority. Yeah. I mean, I guess if we actually, I should go back to the constructive notice because the information that we use to educate employees is really for them to educate their employers, Right. Mm-hmm. So if Inslee is the executive department and her executive branch, he has absolutely no authority to create any laws. And under the two RCWs, one of them um, discusses how we handle a state of emergency and another one discusses how we handle infectious diseases, right? Mm-hmm. It is very clear, clearly laid out that the only thing he's allowed to do with regard to the law is briefly suspend a law. And once the state of emergency is done and declared done, the triggers of it are, are a state of emergency has a particular trigger, a date and a time by which something has happened and declared an emergency. 
that was really fuzzy and unclear with COVID, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And a typical state of an emergency, like something that has to do with weather or a drought or you know a pestilence or something like that, that would then also have a clear uh, line of delineation for when it's done. So he isn't following any of the laid out protocols in the RCW for a state of emergency. He can suspend laws briefly, but he cannot make them. So when you see that he's not following any of the strictly laid out code for how to handle a state of emergency, you know, we're supposed to be having the legislature meet every 30 days to assess if we're still in that state of emergency and that's not happening. Okay, so then you go over to the RCW that has to do with infectious diseases and you go, well, is he following any of those, you know, rules of conduct and he isn't. So when he's sidestepping the law, and coloring outside the lines, it begs a lot of questions. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and it also asks, you have to ask yourself, why, when we have such a clear protocol for how to handle this, why didn't he? For example, according to the laws, and did you guys see that letter that came out from um, Judge Dave Larson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever get to read the attachments on that thing? I did not. I, I just, you. It's, it's beautiful. And I just got through reading the attachments today because it got sent, sent to me again. And he pointed out something that I wish people would talk about a little bit more. But according to the, to the laws we have on the books, the only authority that should be making health policy and decisions on school closures and quarantining should be the local health authorities in a city, in a school district, in a county. And they're supposed to make those decisions and feed that data back to the state. It's not the other way around. The state is not supposed to be making these unilateral decisions that then local cities and counties carry out. Because as you can tell, as you guys know firsthand, you know, the pandemic didn't, the quote unquote pandemic didn't hit you guys out east as hard as it did us in King County. You shouldn't have had to endure the same, you know, protocols that we Mm -hmm. did. Mm-hmm. So it that would be a one size fits all. Um, yeah, you yeah. know that chain of command was clearly turned upside down. So again, that begs the question: Why? So I would go back to the fact that I think it was Inslee's own word words was when we complied, yep. we felt justified. And the idea here is as we go along, they'll keep on pushing. Yeah, we assented with our uh, with our with our compliance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, so go ahead. We, so we, we do not consent by our non-compliance. That's the idea, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't you have a, a, a quote on this, Pastor Heath? It's something like, um, you know, we got ourselves into this uncompliance and now we're going to get ourselves out with mass non-compliance. That's, that's pretty much the truth. I think uh, at some point, well, the difficulty of communicating that is that, that there's so much um, division already baked into our, our society today mm-hmm. and certainly around these issues. And that is, I believe, by design. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, whether you think that is a design by politicians and, and media and, and companies, or you thought that was a design by the devil, I'd probably agree with all of them. All of them. That's right. <laughs> Division is a, is a key strategy. And it is a strategy of both the enemy and it's a strategy of God. Division yep. where, where any house divided against itself cannot stand. So where you can start to divide people and, and communicating through um, non-compli- a non-compliance message, or even you went to Dr. Martin Luther King, a, a non-violent protest, communicating through that, you'd think people would just 
would get it and everybody would jump on board, but it's not. It, it ends up becoming a very divisive, very heated, very emotionally driven um, type of, uh, of uh, issue. And so right now as a church, as we, as we talk about how we were going to navigate through this crisis, some of the things that we were going to comply with and some of the things we were not, we ended up um, finding that there were such deeply um, rooted and baked in division politically um, uh, and, and other, I mean, some, some were theological, but most of it was political and kind of a world secular um, viewpoint to things mm-hmm. rather than uniting under a kind of a larger banner of, of, of God, of Christ and of being a Christian first and foremost. So when, when you say something as simple as we're going to still open up church and have church, mm-hmm. you find that you lose people. When you say that we are going to still worship when we've been told that we're not able to sing out loud, when, you, when we say that we're not going to require someone to wear a mask to come into our church, they can come masked or unmasked. It's their choice. You lose people. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're, what they're doing is, is that the division that should be, should those types of, we should be able to unify under things that are greater than and higher than the things underneath. So what I mean by that is, uh, for instance, if you live in the United States of America, we unite under the banner of the United States of America, and we are we are um, U.S. citizens first and foremost, and then everything else falls underneath that. But as a Christian, that's the highest banner. God is our banner, you know. So so we we unite under under um, Christianity and the Word of God, and then from there, as we're communicating what we're doing and what's happening, you would think that that people would be able to see that and and join together and unify. But the, but the strategy of the enemy was so good that people got so divided and there still are. I believe that it's time for just like a, you mentioned like a Daniel in the lion's den where he purposely, he was told just for 30 days to stop praying to anyone unless he was going to pray to the king. It was a 30 day mandate. decided that he was not going to comply with this 30-day mandate and he went home immediately he said he he got down and he went into his room he opened up the windows facing jerusalem and it said that he prayed as he normally prayed he didn't do anything different he did what he was always doing and he did not comply to that 30-day mandate that's what we need to see happen today when, when three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were brought before this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made a, a giant golden statue and said, when you hear all the music, you have to bow down and worship this, this golden image. They decided they're not going to bow down, and they were not careful the way they answered the king. I think that's kind of what I, why I like this letter of declination. It's not careful the way you're answering it. You're simply declining. They said to the king, they said, oh, uh, king, we're not going to be careful the way we're getting ready to answer you. We will not bow down to worship this golden image. And they said, and our God is able to deliver us from your hand because he said, who's going to be able to deliver you from this fiery furnace? And he said, they said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. And they were thrown into the fire, but God went into the fire with them. And and they didn't even get burnt. And and that is, it's going to take that type of of mindset, that type of mentality, that type of boldness, for people to stand, and I can promise you this, I know this without any doubt, that you get a few people to stand and others will stand with them. 100%. It's, it's a New Testament as well. You go to the book of Acts, you've got, uh, you know, the apostles were beaten. Uh, they, they went out rejoicing that right. they were counted worthy, worthy. to suffer. Mm-hmm. And Paul, Paul the apostle told a young Timothy, all 
who seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so we train, you know, we, I don't know, lately in the last few years, we've had this real feel good gospel, right? And God's going to mm-hmm. de- deliver us from all our problems. And that's not why Jesus died. He de- died to deliver us from our sins and not our excuses and other problems. And he said, it's a narrow road and it's a, it's a narrow path and it's a narrow door and that you're going to have to make some decisions. Now, what's concerning to me, and I'm just curious about um, your take on this pastor Heath, as long as you've got the, the, the soapbox out, um, you know, they're saying you're not going to be able to buy or sell or get a job <laughs> Or that sounds familiar. I think I've read that somewhere. I think we we had a lot of that in the, the Left Behind series over here the last 30 years. <laughs> um, is that concerning? Extremely concerning. Um, I, I think that it, it's amazing to me how many people have been looking for, reading about, studying on, hearing from the time they were in, in Bible study or um, Sunday school about end times. Mm-hmm. about the book of Revelation, about the book of Daniel, Thessalonians, all these different books concerning the end times, the return of Jesus Christ. And what would culminate would that there would be a rise of, of an antichrist movement that would end up having an antichrist or a political power, a leader that is oppressing this the world and in, unique, in an interesting way. And, and one of the things that you see is a mark. Mm-hmm. A mark that would be put on their hand or their forehead that they would be forced to take. That's the, the interesting word is that they, they're going to be forced to take it. Um, and a lot of people say, well, what do you mean forced? I mean, you, you, yeah, well, forced. I, I preached a message in a series called Knowing the Times that's all around these types of issues. But you better know the times you're in. That's and right. You're forced to take a mark. And without that mark, you would not be able to buy or sell. The very first time that you heard that you wouldn't be able to travel or you wouldn't be able to go into restaurants or grocery stores without a mask, that should have, there should have been alarm bells going off in people's head. But shockingly, many people are yawning and sleeping right through it and thinking, oh, yeah, well, I don't know about that. And so, and so when, they, when you start getting to the place where you're talking about giving someone a shot. Mm-hmm giving them a medical procedure and that without this medical procedure, they're going to lose their jobs. They will not be able to travel. They cannot go to public school. They cannot be in the military. They cannot go to a restaurant. They can't go to a sporting event. The world better wake up because whether you believe it or not, that this is an apocalyptic movement, I think you would be a fool not to believe that this is a holocaustic movement. You got us. You got to see that was, uh, that was pretty strong, Marty. So, uh, I know I'm going, uh, I'm going there with him as well. I, I just think we want to, you know, I mean, I just want to back up and just say, Hey, amen. And um, now I think there, you know, I, I said this before when this thing happened, I heard the Lord say distinction and transfer. And I knew distinction that was going to be those that know the Lord and those that don't. Hmm. Right. And there's a lot of believers that are kind of like, make believers or whatever, but they don't, they want to go along and get along and they don't, they haven't read the book of Acts or if they read it, they didn't apply it. They didn't see it. And, um, you know, the Bible's a little rougher on us than a lot of what's being presented. And, but you know, in the book of revelation, there's an innumerable multitude that overcomes the mark of the beast and all this stuff. There's people that are going to stand up and fight. And I think, you know, Jesus gave us a lot of promises, right? Pastor Heath, if you believe in me, you'll never thirst. You'll never go hungry. 
He's going to take, you know, he's going to take you be with us. There is an, there is a God economy that is separate and distinct from the economy of the world. And the, the book of revelations is a victory book. It's a book mm-hmm. about the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ and, and his saints. Yeah, um, amen. Jesus promised us when in, you know, in Matthew 28, he says that I'm going to be with you always, even until the end of the age. Mm-hmm. There's never a time that we as Christians are going to be without our savior, without our, our, our rescuer, without our, our friend, without our king, without our champion. He's with us at all times. And it's he's like Mario, like, like Mario Murillo, Christianity is the only uh, religion in the world where the founder shows up at every meeting. <laughs> that's funny so aaron mentioned something earlier though i want to bring this up too that she mentioned that was a russian um, person that brought up this before we've seen a, the move across our state of those from the former soviet bloc ukrainian or whatever that have been through communism have been through this uh, tyrannical government before out i've Cuba, seen the beginnings of, of this out of china as well where they see okay we see this coming when, when the government tells you it will never be a vaccine passport, and then there's a vaccine passport. Oh, we won't do uh, vaccine mandates. Oh, then there's vaccine mandates. They lie to us. And then, of course, this constant dripping of fear through the state-run media is what it is. In a sense, when you read all the media, all you hear is, is death tolls and whatever. People are in a state of fear. And so if you don't have grounded in, uh, in your faith and in your le- and leadership in your church where you're saying no, Let's stick with the truth. The truth will set you free, Jesus Christ. And we can, we're called to be bold, to lead others. You'll, you'll be wrapped up in this place where I don't want to be uh, caught in this. I don't want to be singled out. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be die because, you know, and then this whole idea where you have the president coming out or, or and the governor coming out and saying, it's because of you people, you Christian people, you people that don't want, uh, for whatever reason, have chosen not to get the vaccine. You're the problem. That's why people are getting sick and dying. And so division coming again in a way to divide us and to cause fear. But we know, right, this all is leading towards either you accept or you don't accept um, this state run thing. Yeah, you know, I, I love I love what Aaron I love Aaron what you said earlier about, you know, how this thing is supposed to work It's supposed to be hyper local. Right. It's the local health authority. It's the local uh, people that are making the decision. The city of Winlock. Uh, Washington, which is over on the <laughs> west side of the state, uh, had a proclamation uh, demanding that Governor Inslee submit to a psycho, a psychiatric evaluation uh, because mm-hmm. of his uh, God complex, I think. And then um, now the city of Winlock, uh, Saturday, October 30th, is having a Freedom Ween citywide. So uh, all of all of our listeners from uh, Idaho to you know the Pacific Ocean. Go to Winlock on the on the thirtieth. All the bars are going to be open, and then and all the uh, places are going to restaurants, and everybody's nobody's going to be masked or vaxxed, and um, and that's what you call hyperlocal. But you know, is that what we're talking about, Aaron? I mean, like people just saying no. Absolutely, and people reading more about the law and digging into, you know, how do you actually run the local government and who has the authority to do what. Mm-hmm. And, and we are a nation of laws, are we not? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when we were talking on the phone a couple of days ago, you said that you guys now have a new initiative that you're working on for business people. What Can you tell me about that? Well, again, it kind of goes back to the constructive notice. It's the, these work together. They were, it was a notice to inform business owners of what the law was so that they could uphold the law to protect their employees. 
So, for example, you know, in every state, there is a law that describes the doctrine of informed consent. And, you know, informed consent means you cannot be given a medical product of any sort without an MD telling you the benefits and the risks of that product. And you also have to learn the benefits and the risks of the alternatives. That's actually by law what doctors are supposed to be telling us, but they rarely do. And then what's most important is they're supposed to get our consent without coercion, right? And mm-hmm. so that's not happening anywhere, is it? And so if, if the state is pushing the employers to carry out this mandate, even though according to the non-delegation doctrine, it's like a game of hot potato. Inslee cannot give authority to the state departments, the Department of Health, the Department of Education. He can't give them authority he doesn't have. And he can't give the employers authority they don't have. So they're doing this just based out of peer pressure and Mm -hmm. bribery and threats of fines, but none of those things can actually be carried out. So, and so they're, they're overstepping the doctrine of informed consent because your employer cannot be the MD who gives you the benefits and risks of this vaccine. Right. And they, are they uh, getting consent without coercion? Of course not. They're holding their job over your head. So, you know, they're also, there's also RCWs about you can't give false legal advice. You can't give, you can't give legal advice if you're not a lawyer. You mm-hmm. can't give medical advice if you're not a doctor. These employers aren't doing that. So some of the things, you know, there's kind of smart alky ways that you can write back to L&I, you know, if they say, hey, how are you coming with that uh, list of vaccinated employees that you're supposed to give us? You can just say, well, you know, uh, so sorry, but we don't have the resources on hand to hire a physician to carry out informed consent, <laughs> you know, or we've decided we don't want to uh, participate in your vaccine experiment. Um, you know, their legal department for these larger corporations, these legal departments could just send back a letter to LNI or Department of Health and say, could you please uh, send us the RCWs, the the laws on the books that show us that you have the authority to actually carry out this mandate. I mean, there's a lot of different directions they could go. But what we've discovered is that they don't have enough manpower and resources to actually enforce any of these mandates. I'll give you an example. Um, I have a friend who owns a yoga studio, and he said he actually got a call from uh, a woman who said she was representing L and I, and she was checking to see because they'd heard a report that he wasn't requiring masks of you know anybody who's who was attending the yoga studio. And so he asked her some of these basic questions. You know, well, how are you going to carry out this fine, or what would the fine be, or what is your legal authority to carry this out? And she <laughs> admitted she, in her own words, she says, you know, I have to admit I'm just a peon for L and I. Those are her words. <laughs> And she said, I'm, uh, I'm looking here at the script they gave me, and I don't see anything here that answers your questions. And I mean, she just kind of threw her hands up in the air, and it's like, I don't have answers for you. So we've, uh, we've suggested to quite a few of the business owners we've been in touch with that if you do get any communication from LNI or Department of Health, some of it you can just round file. You know, and if they even get around to trying to enforce it, there are some pretty, you know, easy and specific ways that you can write back and uh, ask them to, they could do something like uh, ensure that they'll take on the liability for your employers, which calls Mm -hmm. them out, you know, 
And what we find is that people who write back to LNI and Department of Health with these questions ever get an answer and never get bothered again. And you do have they, the mob mentality, though, yeah. where they'll take they single out a certain restaurant or a certain business and make an example out of them in the news, right? Whether it be the restaurant in Port Orchard with this ninety thousand dollars fines, or the barber up at Snohomish County, but Spiffy's for over there, yeah, yeah, for ninety eight percent of them, um, probably not though. Yeah, to your point, if all of us said no, there wouldn't be that. It's when they can single out one and it, make us rest you know, of us fearful. It's the it's the um. It's the nonstop propaganda though, Marty. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's why programs like ours are, you know, exist is to kind of battle that. You know, I, I was driving home from work uh, yesterday, beautiful sunny afternoon. And I saw a teenage girl walking all by herself beside the road, fully masked up. And I'm thinking, lady, you don't have to do that. There's no COVID flying around in the sunshine and the wind. Sunshine and wind kills that COVID a virus in like 30 seconds or less, like 10 seconds, right? It's just not going to happen. But because of the fear and because of this nonstop propaganda, and I think that's what, what um, you know, Aaron's talking about right now. If people will stand up and know what your rights are and, and don't cave when they start to bully and peer pressure and all these things, they win. That's what you're saying, right, Aaron? Absolutely. And, you know, in the beginning, when they were just pushing the mask mandate and, you know, on the restaurants, they were pushing the, you know, only 25% capacity. Um, I think at that point, because we thought we were really in a true state of emergency, it was easier for them to find the resources with Ellen and I to go out there and try to harass these restaurant owners. But now it, it's so, um, it's so clear that we've, We've pretty much managed this. People are a lot less afraid. Well, I don't want to say they're less afraid of COVID now because <laughs> the, the people I hang with are not afraid of COVID. But I, I really just, I can't tell what's going on out there in the general public. But, you know, we've got through it. I think people are kind of done with this. And uh, I do see, we see evidence now of a lot of Patriot businesses that stood up. And they had they had a huge following of loyal patrons mm-hmm. who helped them get through the pandemic because they were willing to stand up. So I have a question for both of you. You know, I, I too, and wherever you go now, you, you people are done. They're out in the parks. They're going to movies. They're going to restaurants. I just they're frustrated with the silliness of how bad this has been. I I wonder though those that succumb to believed about this, you must get your second and third boost, uh, that they're, they bought into it now. I've gotten it, therefore you must get it. You know, it's almost like, you know, now I'm part of the mess and I want you to do a peer pressure again um, because it makes me, you know, justify my own decision. See any of that happening right now? Sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. N- nobody is really clear on this. You know, we're all looking to each other for the answers when, I don't know, the truth seems really, really clear to some of us and everybody else seems to be in over their heads, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking about standing together, um, something that really came to me was if you, if you really look down the road at what's going to happen, it, it, that's an ability that people have. It's called being able to track a trajectory of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the reason that a, a football player can go and catch a 40-yard pass and within inches end up being right where the ball ends up going because you can look to see where something's going, not just where it is today. And at the onset of this, 
with the two-week stay-at-home order, you could start to see that there is probably probably couldn't just end after two weeks, and and then after they extend it and they extend it, and and then they end up putting all these other restrictions. They start closing down restaurants. They just kept going on and on with it. Well, at the beginning, we kind of thought that maybe two weeks would be the end of it, or if we flattened the curve, and that's what was sold to us. And so you kind of believe that that would be the end of the road, that sooner or later that this would blow over. And then here we are 18 months later, and now the restrictions have gotten more oppressive and tyrannical to where families, real people, are losing their, their jobs, which shouldn't be a surprise to us because real people already lost their businesses. You know, um, uh, entrepreneurs lost their businesses. They, they, they lost their livelihood, their dreams. And now we have people losing their jobs, being forced out of careers, losing their health insurance, their kids who eight-year-old son who has leukemia and they lose their insurance, health insurance. Otherwise they're being forced. And some people are, are actually arguing and saying they're not being forced. It's still their choice. No, this is what force looks like. Mm -hmm. And so, but yet you would be, I think that you'd be naive to believe that this is the end of the road. Right. We, there's no going back to normal. There's right? no going back. There's still a trajectory of where we're going to end up. And so at some point you have to stand. And then I think a lot of people are trying to have been trying to outmaneuver it, thinking that if they move to Idaho or if they had a fake vaccination card or, you know, that they can outmaneuver it. But some things you simply have to stand and let go and see the glory of God. You have to be able to take your stance, stand firm. And see God now, where, where we make a stand, God fights the battle, like Exodus 14, 14. Amen. He says, you need only to stand still. The Lord will fight your battle. And, and that's what I'm encouraging our church to do, is, is we are going to stand on faith, looking to a God who's bigger than us, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we're not afraid of the enemy, of the devil, of his tactics. We know we're not just fighting against flesh and blood against people. This is a massive spiritual war. It's an, it's an attack and it's worldwide. So you can move if you want to and get a different job if you want to and think that you're winning by with fake passports and things like that. You're not winning. If you don't stand at some point, it's going to continue to go. And, and last thing I want to say on this is I was thinking about the enforcement of it. It is not long before I believe we're going to see people arrested, as we already have, but we're going to see people arrested, hauled away. And some of the people that will be tasked with the enforcement of that will be police. Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that the police, um, that the ones that they're going to be working for to enforce these types of things were the same ones who wanted to defund them, defund them a year ago. And we're fighting to defund them and, and killing their brothers and sisters in arms. And, uh, and completely uh, um, against the police and the ones who are standing for and with the police are probably a lot of the ones who are fighting this fight and standing exactly up right. against this. Yep. And so I'm, I have kind of a, a call out not only to police, but to everyone in a position that now is the time to risk your position. Now is the time to make a stand. This is an Esther moment for everyone. And we have to stand our ground. And stand not only for ourselves, but for one another. It, it is, you don't just stand because you are choose to not get vaccinated. You stand for the person, even if you're vaccinated, you stand for the person who isn't getting vaccinated, but is unjustly losing their job. Amen. This is what it's called to love your neighbor as yourself. Powerful so we see stuff. A, a power is exactly. Uh, I want to reset re real quick and just remind everybody freedom, uh, March, March, for freedom, F-O-R, freedom, 
wa w a march for freedom wa.com is where you can go and you can uh find out resources and i think you guys even take a little bit of money don't you aaron yeah we sure do none of us uh are actually getting paid through this it's all just um volunteers and so we are welcoming donations because it helps pay for the couple of lawyers that we've been using to advise us and for us to go out there i've you know i've got I've got a completely packed schedule. I just took a couple of days off for the first time in about 45 days because I've got hundreds of people emailing me and calling me. And it's even more than that for the rest of our team. So yeah, we would appreciate any donations and you can just hit the donate button on that website. Um, but there's a lot of resources we have. We have uh, not only the statement of declination, and the constructive notice, which you can submit to your employer together. We've got documents on how to do it. We've got um, resources for employers for what they're coming up against. And next we have, we have the employers who are saying, okay, we'll accept your exemption, but now we're gonna you know, ring you, put you through the ringer with accommodations. And so right. we've got advice on how to deal with that. Um, we've got new kits that we're putting together for people who've been wrongfully terminated. And all of this is just getting legal strategies and legal help into the hands of our citizens without them having to pay, you know, large retainers to lawyers. We also have a shortage of lawyers, um, especially constitutional lawyers. So this is us just kind of like trying to help out our fellow Washington citizens keep their jobs so we can all keep going. And we can, you know, we can take this all the way to the end and the end meaning, you know, when we win, when we win this spiritual battle, when we win this legal battle, and uh, we we <laughs> we show the devil who's boss, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. the key here. We start seeing now with Southwest Airlines standing up. Now they're Absolutely. now Southwest Airlines backing down. You see Amtrak joining in. You start start seeing in Washington State police officers, uh, healthcare workers, actually standing their ground as well, whether they're vaccinated or not, saying this is wrong to force someone, coerce someone uh, through the threat of losing their job. So people are starting to see the loss of their uh, civil liberties, their freedoms. And to Pastor's point, whether whether they want to or not, they're like, no, if they take it away from them, they can take it away from me and my kids and grandkids. And so now is the time to fight. If we don't fight now, we have nothing left to fight for. And so uh, I this, encourage this is it. Yeah. you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It. We're, you know, and um, the, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Well, we, we, we are in a, we are in a position now where um, we're starting to have these resources. So again, go to March for freedom, wa.com and uh, join the fight. And, you know, people all the time, they go, somebody's got to do something. Well, somebody's you, right? When you, when you start to feel like that, and this gives you an opportunity to get involved, you can, you can find a good church and a good pastor that, you know, that's, uh, you know, doing this stuff. And, you know, if you're going to, you know, if they're still pushing pumpkin lattes and, you know, Seahawks jerseys and, you know, that kind of stuff, maybe we find a church that preaches the Bible, you know, that'd be a good place to start and Amen. get some backbone and get some courage and stop being weak and start being a little bit strong and start being a little bit bold. And, and, uh, you know, if people got a problem, that's their problem. You know, it's not your problem. That's their problem. And, uh, you know, we are a nation of laws and, you know, when I got that phone call from the Tacoma police department and they're talking about street church down there. And he finally, the, the chief of the police says, you know, Doug, I am not enforcing park regulation over your first amendment rights. You guys can have a hundred piece rock band down there and it's okay with me. You don't get that. 
by complying with some little beat cop that says you need to quiet down and shut up. No, you need to quiet down and get out of my face. I'm preaching the gospel and, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And this is America. Come on. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. And so God bless you. Uh, Heath, Heath Rainwater. He's a pastor. Uh, he's a, he's one of them feisty pastors. I can tell you that Grace Point Northwest church out in Enum Claw, Washington. Enum Claw is a suburb of Kent. I'm just kidding. It's a suburb, kind of a suburb of Seattle over on the west side of Washington. Um, so if you get over here, you got to go visit that church. And uh, Aaron, uh, thank you so much for what you're doing. And uh, God bless you. Again, that website is marchforfreedomwa.com. I'm going to grab that video and post it on dougandmarty.com. And we'll get these. Hopefully, we'll get our podcasts up to date one of these days. Yeah. We <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for being on the show. Well, this is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon. Doug and Marty versus the world. See you next time.